Recovery Elevator, episode 103. Booze really does take that away because when you're hungover, the last thing you feel like doing is playing tennis or you know going for a hike. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, I've been sober for two years, four months, two weeks, and four days. On today's podcast, we've got Shane. He's been sober for three days. Now, you might hear that three days. Don't you have to have some sort of sobriety requirement to be on this podcast? Well, like other 12-step programs, the only requirement on this podcast is just a desire to quit drinking. Oh yeah, and you got to keep getting back up on your feet after you're getting your ass knocked down by alcohol hundreds of times. So again, kudos to you, Shane, for coming on this podcast and creating some accountability after being sober for only three days. We talk about how the 72 hours is the worst part about it. Before we get any further, let's hear from Cafe RE. Before I got sober, I felt alone. It felt like I was the only one in the whole world who found it extremely difficult to stop drinking once I had started. With Cafe RE, I now know I'm not alone. In fact, there are so many people all around this world just like me. In Cafe RE, for $12 a month, I get access to a private, unsearchable Facebook group where I can connect with other like-minded individuals, meet with them face-to-face in several weekly live webinars and meetings, I can get paired with an accountability partner who has a similar sobriety date as mine, I can attend in-person meetups and attend exclusive sober trips to places like Costa Rica. If there's one thing I've learned in sobriety, it's that I can't do this alone. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code ELEVATOR for your first month free. Again, use the promo code ELEVATOR when signing up for your first month free. Okay, let's get started. There are hundreds, actually probably thousands of reasons why I quit drinking, but I started to write down a list about five weeks ago, and here's the list. First reason is, I wake up eager to start the day. I no longer wake up and use my duvet as a rock and just hide underneath it till 3 p.m. Another reason why I quit drinking is I'm not lying to myself anymore. Oh yeah, here's a bigger reason why I quit drinking. I can now look at myself in the mirror. The reason why I quit and don't want to start up again is because I know this is a progressive disease. And I also know the pain and misery that awaits if I drink again. I quit drinking because I didn't want to have a beer gut anymore. Turns out 94% of girls don't like beer guts. I quit drinking because THIQ was being deposited into my brain after every binge drinking episode, which made it harder and harder to stop drinking. I quit drinking because I didn't want to get any dumber. I'd rather get smarter. I quit drinking because most alcohol tastes like moldy Tootsie Rolls. I quit drinking because I got real sick of telling myself, one day we're gonna, and then fill in the blank. And the blank never happened. I quit drinking because alcohol is one of the most dangerous drugs in the world, and it kills more people than all the other drugs combined. I quit drinking because I was a failing dog owner, big time. Now that I've quit drinking, I no longer if I have very early onset Alzheimer's. I quit drinking because alcohol is shit, total and complete shit. I quit drinking because money is neat, and I've got a lot more of it now. Now that I've quit drinking, I don't black out anymore. I'm only on this planet once, and I don't want to miss a thing, and neither does Steven Tyler. I quit drinking because I like my physical health. I haven't had a serious physical injury since I stopped drinking. Last one would be a torn hip flexor while doing limbo in 2012. No joke. I quit drinking because I didn't like black eyes. I quit drinking because a diet based on calories from alcohol, it doesn't work. I've tried it. I quit drinking because I want to put an Altoids in my mouth because I like the taste, not to mask the vodka in my breath. I quit drinking because going to the dentist sucked. Since I've quit drinking, I've had zero cavities and five ribbons from the dentist. I quit drinking because my face looked like a swollen pumpkin. 
I quit drinking because one day I would like to share my life with a very special person, slim to no chance of that happening while drinking. I stopped drinking because when my standard poodle Ben looked at me to go play on a beautiful summer day in 2014 and I was still drunk in bed at 3pm on a sunny afternoon. Those big brown eyes broke my heart Ben to this day I'm still sorry and I gotta make it up to you. I quit drinking because alcohol was my best friend and it eventually turned on me. I stopped drinking because once I started I couldn't stop. I quit drinking because I was sick of making promises myself that I knew I would never keep. I quit drinking because I found I needed more alcohol to obtain the same effect. I can play the tape forward and know where that's going. I quit drinking because I had audio hallucinations three weeks after leaving Spain. No joke, three weeks I heard the Braveheart soundtrack. I quit drinking because I wasn't free. I quit drinking because alcohol determined everything. Where I worked, who I hung out with, when I went to bed, and when I went and where I woke up. I quit drinking because music just kind of sounded like blah. Didn't sound like much of anything to me anymore. I quit drinking because I don't want to go to jail, prison, or a mental hospital. I quit drinking because I was sick of living a life of life or death. I'm guessing if I drink again, suicide will happen in just a matter of time. And then with living, you're really not living. So it is truly a matter of life and death. Did I mention I haven't had a black eye in sobriety? I quit drinking because girls didn't like me. I also wouldn't like talking to a guy who was cross-eyed and blacked out. I quit drinking because I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired. Now that I quit drinking, my body doesn't randomly ache anymore. I quit drinking because my right elbow hurt when I swam for about seven years. Just a thought. I thought that would cure that too, and it did. I quit drinking because I couldn't run a 7.30 minute mile. Now I can run three of them in a row, actually. I quit drinking because I didn't want a DUI. Okay, another one. Alcohol is shit. Did I mention that already? I quit drinking because I wanted to remember the events that I paid money to attend. I saw Guns N' Roses in Bolivia, sober, and I remembered the entire thing. It was awesome. I quit drinking because I was sick of blaming my problems on other people. I quit drinking because ulcers are painful, and I got several ulcers due to a compromised immune system. I quit drinking because I don't want to go to jail. Okay, go to jail again. I quit drinking because I was sick of the metaphorical blisters on my hands from just digging, digging, and digging. I have been professionally diagnosed ADHD no less than four times, and being in the moment is something I struggle with. While drinking, I had no shot at that. At least now, I've got a pretty good chance. I quit drinking because my parents retired and I want to be there for their golden years. I quit drinking because alcohol wasn't cheap. Per the Recovery Elevator Tracker app, I've saved over $11,867. Did I mention money is neat? I wanted to quit drinking because I couldn't let things go. Not like a kite in the wind, but I'm talking emotional baggage. I couldn't let anything go. Today, I can feel uncomfortable feelings and lean into them at face value. Previously, I would jam them into a box and have them all explode at an inopportune moment, like at my best friend Sean's bachelor party. I quit drinking because I realized I wasn't laughing hard anymore. I quit drinking because I felt I couldn't accomplish anything that I put my mind to. Again, that I could not accomplish anything that I put my mind to. Now that I quit drinking, suicidal thoughts? Non-existent. That's awesome. I quit drinking because I sucked at guitar. Now I can play four Third Eye Blind songs. Okay, three and a half. Last part of Jumper's kind of tough. I quit drinking because I didn't notice nature. Stars. Holy shit, have you seen those stars up there? How bright and brilliant they are? 
I quit drinking because I was sick of needing a mind-altering substance just to attend social functions. Depression and anxiety are unpleasant. Yeah, they still loom around at times, but now that I've quit drinking, they're rarely around. I quit drinking because I thought I sucked at kickball and dodgeball. Turns out I was just tuned up. I quit drinking because I was sick at the end of month after paying bills, only having like $4 left over. Anxiety. Anxiety is the worst. After binge drinking episodes, it was intolerable, and that is a huge impetus for the reason why I quit drinking. I hate anxiety. I quit drinking because it tastes like raccoon's piss. Surely temples. They are the best beverage ever. No comparison. I quit drinking because I wasn't sure that the people I surrounded myself with were my true friends or not. Now, this will conclude the list. It is pretty random, and I've left out a lot of things. But you can go to recoveryelevator.com, episode 103. Find it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Kathy, if you'd like to see the full list. Now, let's hear from Shane. Shane, how are you? Hey, how's it going, Paul? I'm good. So, wait, Shane, let's get right into this. When was your last drink? My last drink was on Christmas Day, and that was three days ago from today. Nice is in congratulations on three days. You might be you hear me saying nice. Like, what do you mean, Paul? That was three days ago. But no, for me, the worst 72 <laughs> hours, the first 72 hours was by far the worst. And not only did you make it past that, you're on a freaking podcast right now, creating some accountability. So I got to give you kudos and say nice job, Shane. Uh, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. I, I, I hear the same thing a lot is the first 73 hours or 72 hours first three days are always the hardest and uh they definitely are for sure i mean just just getting through the withdrawal and the the, the cravings you get i mean it's just it's insane so yes yes yeah, like am i doing wind sprints or am i just constantly sweating like what is going on here yeah the withdrawal yeah I'm, I'm in the i'm in the alcoholic olympics i'm sweating for no reason <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome i love that you know, one thing that alcohol is good at is isolation, and it makes us feel alone, like we're the only ones struggling with this. But I can guarantee you, you and hundreds and maybe thousands or however many other people drank on Christmas Day, others who are trying to get sober. So, man, don't single yourself out at all. Yeah, I kind of had it in my head that it was going to be the last time I drank, you know, but I've said that a thousand times. So it's it's kind of hard for me to say, okay, this is going to be my last drink or or whatever, but you know, I figured Christmas Day was a good benchmark, and you know, it'd be kind of one more hurrah. But you know, like 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 normal drinking, it just it kind of didn't live up to the expectation. Hey, you and I got something in common. I also told myself a thousand times that this was going to be my last drink. The only difference is I just went on a little longer, and the same thing's going to happen with you. One of those times, it's going to stick. I, I know it. And let's go back into your drinking a little bit here, and. When did you first realize that you might not be able to control your alcohol like a normal person? Uh, man, I was I was in my my teens when I started drinking, and when I first started getting in trouble, I was 18 years old. I ended up in jail for my first time for my first DUI. I have two DUIs and two other jail experiences that that uh, are related to drinking. I've never been to jail without a without a hangover, basically. Uh, <laughs> so it's so it's been a it's been a long time. So I'm 32 now. Uh, 18, I got arrested for my first time. I was, I was a pretty wild kid. So the first time I got drunk, it was me and my buddy Greg. And we just started drinking. The first time I drank, it didn't do anything to me for some reason. Really? And so I just said, all right, yeah, it was weird because drank some beers with my cousin, drank like a, you know, just, just it, it wasn't great. You know, we had like wine coolers and yeah, I just like, oh, this sucks, man. Wine coolers <laughs> are horribly sweet. And I just, I just didn't like it. So I just, you know, waited, you know, 
a little bit. And I was a little pothead back then too. So we we got drunk, and the first time we got drunk, it was the, it was just the funnest thing I've ever experienced. It was like a it's like I found my soulmate. You know, it was just a crazy experience. And you know, just throughout the years, the bad breakups, the bad relationships, bad jobs, and you know, I'd slowly just creep into okay, well maybe I'll have that good feeling with booze again. And it just it's uh, you know I've never been in drugs, but I heard you know always doing drugs the best time, and then after that, it just it just goes downhill and. Uh, you know, alcohol is a drug, obviously, but that's that's kind of how it started, you know, just in my teens. And it's just slowly been <laughs> dwindling away since then. And Shane, I've heard my story many times on this podcast through the mouths of other people. And you, what you just said about how you found your soulmate. When I first took that sip of alcohol and got drunk the first time, I was like, yeah, man, this is my soulmate. Rock on. A life yeah, is cool. good now. But then very slowly, your soulmate... Your best friend, it turns on you, man, and that sucks. That decade oh, yeah, totally. or you know, that period of your life was brutal. And I'm pretty good at skipping questions and just getting right into it. Uh -huh. Let's actually learn a little bit more about you, Shane. So you said you're 32 years okay. old. And maybe say you know, where you're from, do you have a family, what you do for a living, and what do you like to do for fun? Okay, yeah, no worries. Um, yeah, I'm 32. I live in uh, Orange County, California. Uh, I have my immediate family. I have no kids or wife or anything like that. I play tennis, I go golfing, I like to cook with the family, generally just travel, you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, but any, anything outdoorsy and sports are, are really fun, but, you know, booze really does take that away, because when you're hungover, the last thing you feel like doing is playing tennis or, you know, going for a hike. Yeah, yeah, hanging out, on a, you know, doing like an overnight backpacking trip drunk or hungover is not fun at all, it sucks. Yeah, I've heard you talk about it when you're in Spain or maybe just Puerto Rico or something like and you're doing a a backpacking thing down a down a mountain or something. I was, you know, I just I got anxious just thinking about that because I was just like, oh god, just the the anxiety I have when I'm hungover and and just the the nastiness you feel is just this is the worst to do so, to do something so beautiful and just to do feel so nasty at the same time is very uh, it's a weird contradiction. Totally, and the self loathing kicks in. You're walking up this mountain, this trail. You're kicking your own ass internally, saying like, dude, what is wrong with you, man? I mean, look at these peaks. This should be beautiful. This should be the best day of my life. Why do I feel like exactly. shit? It sucks. Exactly. But Shane, talk to me about some rules perhaps you put in place before December 25th. And then let me know if any of those words work. You know, rules like I'm only drinking before, uh, you know, midnight or only drinking like these days a week. Oh, I mean, I've, I think I've had every, com uh, every combo of that. Uh, I'm only going to drink uh, IPAs. I'm only going to drink Coors Lights. I'm only going to drink scotch on the rocks you know no mixers because i don't want any extra sugar <laughs> oh man i mean I, i've i've just i've had every you know only wine you know that that's a good one because wine's healthy but you know i'll drink two bottles of wine and or, or like really crappy wine you know and then and then i forget my rules halfway drunk and then i'll just start drinking vodka or whatever the hell is around and you know it'll turn into a mess so i i, I set plenty of rules in every single combination of every rule possible. So I mean, you name it, I've, I've said it. I, I think the the best rule is just not to drink. <laughs> well, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. That's a question that I might just take off the list because I've asked a hundred people that question and no one has ever come up with a rule that works. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, I don't think there, I don't think there really is though. I mean, have you ever gotten anything different or anything like a better answer? I, I just I can't, no, can't imagine. I mean, your answer was perfect actually. So I, I mean, that is the answer okay. I'm looking for, but 
it's 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 like at first like 30 episodes i was like you know my pen was on paper like you know waiting to write something yeah. a breakthrough <laughs> right, and drinking. Something different yeah but it yeah. Just, just doesn't happen uh, no yeah you, you can't i mean unless there's some i mean uh, i i actually was sober for a year one time uh, when i was 24 to 25 my last time getting arrested okay and i didn't really have any rules laid down or anything like that but it was literally just thinking about how bad going to jail was again and it had and, and it's been hard to kind of get back to that point because nothing i haven't like got arrested yet i haven't you know been in trouble with the law so it's like i don't have anything to reflect back on it was so horrible yeah. you know and and that's 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 been a little bit difficult but yeah i mean i i actually drank o'doul's to help me out with uh getting sober the first time i mean i think you have to drink like a hundred of them or something like that to get a buzz but you know i did that and and my rule was you know just drink one o'doul's and just try to get over the hump but i don't know if that's really a rule but that's that's what i did to help me out well hey, even that is progress believe it or not and in these last three days what rules have you put in place now because rules are basically habits that have already been formed but yeah, what are some new rules that you're starting to put in place? You're like, wait, none of that other stuff's working. I'm going to try this, this, and yeah. this. And you're seeing some success with. Do you have any rules? My first rule was not to chicken out of calling you because that was a, that was a big deal. You know, I just, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, let other people hear what I'm going through. Maybe it'll help somebody. I was talking to you before the podcast. I, I wanted to crack a beer because I was nervous. <laughs> you did say uh, that. You know, just, just <laughs> you know, <laughs> little, little things like that are just, you know, live in the moment is, is basically my rule right now and just stay busy because you know the, the whole the whole idle hands or the devil playground thing is, is very true especially especially with alcoholics you know i mean it's just uh, it's like oh yeah it's new year's eve oh well, what do people do on new year's eve they, they drink champagne oh that's a good idea champagne's not really bad for you is it no it's bubbly and it's and it's and it's a celebratory thing you know get, getting those thoughts out of my head and just living Living pretty much in the moment I, I, is is all I have right now because if I look too far in the future, I'm going to say, you know, oh, my sister's having a kid in February and she lives in Paris. So I'm going to have to drink wine in, in Paris. I'm a chef, right? Paris, Texas or like Paris, I, the, I, the country? Yeah, Paris, France. Sorry. There is a Paris, Texas, but I, I, was, I was a dumb joke. <laughs> yeah, there is. I yeah, there's also Paris, California too. Oh, there, yeah, there, right, there is. Why? Paris is all over the place. She's in, she's in the legit real one. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, but listeners, let me let me translate what Shane just said right there because it was pretty damn important. That's the basic one day at a time being in the moment. Which you, Shane, I think we can break that down. Dude, you're doing like one podcast interview at a time. You're like one hour at a time, one minute at a time. On to the next thing, I know. as Jay Z would say. On to the next one. On to the next moment. Yeah. Crushed it. Very slowly, you're building your confidence. But right now, man, it's one day at a time. And I hate to break it to you. I'm over two years of sobriety, and I'm one day at a time because life is easier to live when I'm not thinking about stuff that's way down the road like my wedding. i got to meet a girl first, but get yeah. the point. Yeah, man. It's, 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 it's a very hard thing to do because you're trying to live – for the future and you're trying to look at the future but it's like okay well maybe i maybe i'm not gonna live tomorrow maybe this is my last day or whatever and i uh, might as well just drink today because tomorrow you never know <laughs> you know and That's everyone everyone says that well you never know if you're gonna have tomorrow so yeah. you know I, i've done that to myself a lot it's like well you know you never know uh, i might as well just drink a bottle of jack daniels tonight and just you know because I, I, I might be dead tomorrow who knows yeah so, you might as well rob a bank too you never know <laughs> i know right don't I mean, stop there i stop drinking <laughs> yeah totally and shane when was your bottom 
Oh my God. Uh, uh, wait, let, let me guess. There has I been mean, more than one. Uh, there's been like two. Yeah. Oh. Totally. Okay. <laughs> no, there's there's been like two hundred. Oh. <laughs> um, like, oh, two. All right. For, for, yeah. No. No. There's been way more. Yeah. There's been a lot. I would say probably hurting my my family. You know, just mentally draining. Uh, just going to jail and having having to see my mom and dad go through that. And yeah, all that. I mean, that that's been a huge bottom. And and it's still the, the guilt from that still still like kills me. But there there's been. A, I mean, just going to jail. I mean. Going to jail is a huge bottom. I mean, I don't know how people do it all the time. I mean, going to jail four four different times, uh, going through all those classes, and and just losing friends, losing this last relationship was just this horrible relationship I was in, and I was drinking more to escape that relationship mentally. You know, I mean, she was just this horrible person. I mean, she was a really good looking Brazilian chick, but then it was just like, oh my god, just the the, the horrible. It was it was just bad, and and I and I would drink to escape that, and that just turned out to be. You know, not the not the best way, way to do things. So I kind of, I kind of just, you know, I, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. So I would just drink myself into into just kind of blacking out of life, you know, and just not living. And it just got to the point where I'm just like, uh, I'm not even doing anything anymore. It just sucks. So it's been like that for a little while, and, and I just kind of slowly started creeping out of that dark hole, you know. Shane, it could have been a beautiful Brazilian woman. Um, I did not have a beautiful Brazilian woman in my life, but I also got to the point <laughs> where I just blacked out nightly, basically just to escape life, and and that was it. And I reached the same conclusion that you did. It was like, wait a second, this is it? Like this this sucks. There has to be more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I I did it for years and years and years, and it's like, you know, you, you drink yourself right back into the depression, which is the weird part. It's like this never-ending circle of, okay, well, I feel like crap, so I'm going to drink. And, oh, shit, I feel even worse because I drank. <laughs> I feel guilty, and I spent all my money, and I lost my job. And, you know, it's just this cycle of bullshit that you have to deal with. And So if, yeah, if you were to really, put that into a math equation, I mean, you just put, like, pluses in between those. Like, oh, I feel like shit, plus it, drinking. It, it would never, you know, it would never end. It would, it would just go in one take circle yeah you know? and it, it would I suck, equal, I suck it not but i get that problem yeah it would equal, yeah, like, it would equal it, hell on earth yeah equals hell on earth and if you divide it by a bottle of tequila it means stop fucking drinking but <laughs> yeah. we keep drinking and that is the most yeah. confusing component about this entire oh God, it, thing and that's the worst part is it makes you feel like a crazy person and and, and you feel like you're going insane and then you, you know other people have the problem you know other people drink too much but then you know, after a couple nights of, you know, getting completely hammered, you'll just go right back to it. And just for, it's like, uh, what, what's your, uh, what's your thing? Short-term memory? Oh, uh, the ism. <laughs> ism. Yeah. yeah. Incredible it's short memory. Like, yeah. It's, it's so true, man. I've, I've had that for my whole life, you know, I can yeah. remember, you know, a lot of things long-term, but as soon as I remember how crappy I felt drinking, I forget it right away. It's like, a, it's just the craziest thing. Yeah, the reason why the human body is a magical being and we physically repair ourselves fast. Like I said, fear will get you sober and you can stay sober, but it's not going to keep you sober. Even the pain points when you were in jail, eventually the human body is built to forget those items, to forgive. And, you know, you're probably not thinking like, man, jail wasn't wasn't that bad now that I think about it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and that's it's dangerous, that incredible short memory. And I never want to forget how shitty it was. When I was in the Livingston, the Park County suicide jail cell overnight, they took all my clothes and gave me just like a 
I don't know, it was like a moo moo that was padded. It was pretty comfortable. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, it was comfortable. I'll give you that. Shoestrings. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you, Shane. Spending a night in a jail cell sucks. Oh, God, it's so horrible. <laughs> oh, God. We're like jail brothers here, man. Yeah. And, and for my second DUI, I got 60 days. I mean, that was. Oh. I mean, just, just to think about, like, living in jail. I mean, I, I literally. I literally. I, I would go work in a kitchen in jail and then come home to a bunk in jail. And as soon as work was over, because it was like 12 hours, they don't, you know, clock in, you know, they work you as much as they want. I would think like, oh, I can't wait to go home. And my home was a bunk with another dude and 60 other guys. And I was just like, oh my God, this is horrible. Like, I can't believe like I'm letting myself sink this low. Like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just excited to go to bed in jail. That's how bad it was, <laughs> you know? Shane, I gotta ask you a question. Crazy. Which is yeah. which is kind of uh determines my barometer of where you're at in your journey is you know, who whose fault was it that jail sucks so bad and you know, was it because there was no workers' rights posters on the walls? Was it you know, your bunk mate sucked or I mean who whose whose fault was it? Well, it was my fault obviously for getting there, but the inmates were actually really cool. I mean, everyone took care of you, everyone was really nice. The guards were assholes. I mean, they were just so mean. Every once in a while, you get a, a nice one, but they were so on high alert and so stressed out from the job, and I get it completely. They would just treat all the inmates like complete shit. Yeah, because sucks. if they showed if they showed a sign of weakness at all, it would just be it would be over. You yeah. know, it'd be the the whole thing would just be everyone would run all over these sheriffs or whatever. But the inmates were all cool to me, you know, I didn't fight anybody, I'm not gang affiliated, you know, so everyone was nice to me, but, you know, I got to see some really crazy stuff, and it was a big eye-opener. Man, that is crazy, yeah. and alcohol took you to jail. I was going to ask you the question, what have you lost to alcohol, but I can start up say, you've lost 60 days to alcohol for the most part. Oh, yeah, and that's just the, that's just the tip of the iceberg, yeah. I mean, the money, the relationships, the girlfriends, I mean... I've had relationships where I've lost because of alcohol. And and one of my ex-girlfriends is actually a drug and alcohol counselor or something like that in Vegas, and she's getting married. And I, I love this chick, man. She was a great person. And, you know, if we weren't drinking together, I mean, who knows? I mean, it could be a different life. Everyone says the, the future is scary, which it is. But we look at our past as like, you know, a barometer of, of how things are going to go. And all of those things could have been really good or it could have really sucked, but who knows? I mean, if, if we didn't, if I stopped drinking eight years ago when I did that the, the whole year, who, I, I don't know where I'd be right now. Maybe I'd be dead. Maybe I'd be a millionaire. I have no clue. That's the what if game. And it's fun to play for a time being, but it's often not right. healthy at the same time. And, and let's back up three days ago to December 25th, 2016. What happened? Did you, did you open up a football on Christmas morning? You're like, mom, I play tennis. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and you started drinking? Yeah, like, what, right. what happened? Well, I, I don't know. It's I think it's been before December 25th. You know, it's, it's been it's been years and years of, in the making. It's just kind of I knew I was going to talk to you. I knew that I just I didn't want to continue what I was doing. And you know, I stopped Wednesday, and then I went three three or four days, and then I just drank on Saturday and Sunday because it was my it was like a you know holiday weekend, and I said you know why not. And I just woke up on Monday. I'm like, why? Like, I just there there was no point, you know. I mean, why not? Why the nothing? Fuck? Nothing. <laughs> I know nothing. Nothing good has ever. I didn't go. I didn't go donate my time to charity after drinking, you know, a bunch of vodka or <laughs> drinking a bunch of beers that night or whatever. You know, nothing Shocking. positive has come out of 
yeah, I didn't, I didn't go help with me. I didn't go feed the home. Like I didn't do anything positive with my time. I just literally sat around and drank and got fatter. So I got fatter. That's it. Sadder and you know? fatter. For me, fatter and fatter. Seriously. And it sounds like Shane, what I'm hearing to me sounds exhausting and you've got to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Am I wrong on that? Oh yeah. It sounds yeah, like you, absolutely. you're ready to quit drinking and I rare, I, you know, I, I try to refrain on this podcast from telling people what to do and I'm not going to say that at all, but Shane, it mm -hmm. sounds like you're at the point where you're going to have to start doing some things that you don't want to do. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's always been the hard part, <laughs> but I can tell you, I, right now you're talking to a total stranger on the phone, creating accountability. This could have been a huge thing. You didn't want to do, like you said, like, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to, I'm going to bail out on Paul. I'm not going to call him. Not only did you call, you called eight minutes early. I was like, oh shit, this guy Shane's ready to go. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And I have not heard the word AA yet, which is totally fine. But I think I've heard the word in yeah. 99 out of 100 of the podcast episodes. How have you done three days so far? If you look at your knuckles, what color are they? They're not white. <laughs> I mean, they're you white because I'm that. white, but they're, I'm, I'm not white knuckling it or anything like that yet. I mean, I've, I know what you're talking about. And I've been to plenty of AA meetings and... Honestly, it's just the structure of it. You know, I, I went to church when I was younger and had bad experiences there, and it kind of brings up the same, you know, anxiety there and the same kind of, like, resentment for the church and the people. And, you know, it's it's not that I think that AA is a, a bad thing. It's a great thing, you know, and it helps a lot of people. And I have friends in AA. And I've been to meetings, and everyone's been super nice and gracious, and I hear some great stories. But for me, I feel like it's kind of it's kind of a push away from what really needs to be said. You know, I mean, you could pray about stuff all day and you could say, yeah, give it all to your higher power and do all that. But for me, that just doesn't work. A lot of people it does and that's cool, but I just, I haven't, I haven't ever found a, a way to, to work for me. I, I don't know if it's a structure. I don't know if it's the, uh, you know, for, for, for me, the church, and that's what I'm basing it on. And that's kind of the way I feel about it. I'm not saying it's a hundred percent church based, but, there's a lot of hypocrisy there and, you know, all this stuff. So, yeah, I just, it's not like I'm against it. I just, I kind of don't want to associate myself with it, you know? So I, I just, I just stay away from it. It doesn't matter really. And studies <clears throat> show that success rates with Alcoholics Anonymous, 12-step programs, smart recovery, Buddha-based recovery programs. There's, there's really, and even people that don't have any program at all, you know, they just don't drink. Success rates are kind of the same across all levels of programs, which to me was surprising when I read that. And I also heard something, you know, the God thing turned me off big time as well. And where I'm at now, if I've finished the steps of the sponsor, I heard somebody say one time, Hey, you know, don't worry if the God thing turns you off because the pain will bring you back. And I was like, son of a bitch. Right, right. He's probably <laughs> going to be right. Eh, he, he was. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, thought, I mean, that's, that's a good point, but you know, is, is God bringing you back or is pain bringing you back? You know, I mean, everyone bases it. Uh, well, okay. Well, if you, if you, if it doesn't work, it'll keep on working or whatever the the, the thing is, it, it's, you know, it, it's, it's like, okay, we'll just give all your, give all your everything to this person that you don't know. Okay. Well, if you don't believe in God, give it to your higher power. And then your higher power is something that, you know, has control of you. Right. And then, you know, alcohol has control of you. So give yourself to alcohol. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know whose joke that was. You know, it's just, it's true. I mean, it, your higher power could be anything. It could yeah. be a, a doorknob or whatever. It's just, it just, that doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I'm more of like a, I need, I need good results. I need like, you know, let's go work out instead or let's, let's go do something positive.
Yeah. You know, just sitting and telling stories about how, how fucked up we got back in the day just, you know, doesn't really, I mean, it's fun stories, but, you know, it just doesn't really do, do much for me. Shane, I understand 100% because I was there at one point in my recovery as well. And let me ask you a question from the rapid fire around, if you're ready, if we could answer these questions within 30 to 60 seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. So what is your plan in sobriety moving forward? How are you going to get the rest of day three and then day four? I guess just, just staying busy. You know, listening to your podcasts are great. And, and there's some guys on YouTube that, you know, uh, are awesome as well. Who are some if, of those if guys? I could do that, there's, a, there's a cool guy on there. His, I forget his name. It's uh, Kevin something. It's called Alcohol Mastery. And there's another guy named Craig Beck. And they're, they're really good guys. I like, I like them a lot. And, and just random people on YouTube that, that have really good stories and channels. And I couldn't name those people. But, you know, just, just really cool stuff, you know, in the recommended section or whatever. But, yeah, listening to you, listening to them, uh, and being around positive people, you know. Not being Big. around my drunk friends, and you know, I, I'm lucky. I have a supportive family, and my mom and dad are great. My brother's great. Everyone's super supportive because they hate me drinking. So it's just like you know, they, they're very, very supportive. So I'm lucky to have that. And Shane, what was your worst memory from drinking? Oh, man, probably getting punched in the face by a girl. Uh, she blindside punched me, and she scratched me at the same time because we we tried to all get her kick. We tried to kick her out of a bar because she was drinking an 18 pack. Uh, in the bar, she's brought 18 pack, and I'm like, hey, you gotta, you gotta go, you know? And her and her boyfriend were just so wasted, and I had to go to work the first day of work the next day with a black eye and all, all scratched up. I was like, I, I got the shit kicked out of me. That was, that was pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> I, I can, I know. I've also been cold cocked by a girl at a bar two weeks before my senior year football pictures in college. I have a black eye for senior oh, year photos. Jesus. Oh god! Yeah, getting punched by a girl. I mean, unless it's Ronda Rousey, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty crappy. Lose, lose. Yeah, you can't do anything back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she probably would beat me you up. Kind of have to so. take it. You're like, what the hell? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite resource in recovery? Um, I well, pretty much just said it. You know, I mean, just my family is 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 number one. My 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 friends and my family are just huge, and I I think that it's a it's a it's a great part of recovery because. If you don't have that support, it's it's going to go right out the window real quick. And all, all my friends that that still drink and still smoke pot or whatever, you know, I tell them, and it's they're they're great people. So it's not like I have to go, oh well, you know, it's not peer pressure. High school, you know, I, I just say, hey, I'm not drinking. They go, okay, fine, whatever. I'll, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know, so I've, yeah, I've had a so ton I, of friends I, I, like that in recovery. Is they're still my good friends. They don't care. And what they do care about, though, is me. And if I decide not to drink, they're not going to poke and prod. They're like, oh, that's great, man. Cool. Well, we're still going to the movie, right? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, exa exactly. I mean, they should they should be supportive, but they're not your friends, right? You yeah, know, exactly. Just break, break up with those people. And definitely. And in regards to sobriety, Shane, what's the best advice you've ever received? I was thinking about this one, and it's really not pertaining to alcoholism or alcohol at all really it's my sister gave it to me a long time ago and she said if you're ever if you ever feel comfortable you're doing something wrong she said you know you need to be in those uncomfortable moments because that's when you grow uh like like stagnant water doesn't have anything grow in it stuff like that and i've always thought about that and i've always thought it was so cool because i i hate being uncomfortable you know as soon as i get a tinge of uncomfortable feeling I'll, I'll grab a beer and it'll go away pretty quick and I'll mm -hmm. feel more uncomfortable the next day and anxious and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's just that, that first, that uncomfortableness is 
is kind of something that I'm looking forward to getting into because that means I'm growing. Your sister sounds like a pretty cool gal. That summarized my episode 000 about this podcast is draw a circle, dot in a circle, draw a line, a circle, the circle, dot outside the circle is you outside your comfort zone. Yeah, I do my best to live my life outside of my comfort zone. Didn't really explain it that well, but you get the point. And a last question, Shane, what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are in recovery or thinking about getting sober? Well, my advice would be, man, that's, that's hard because everyone's so different, but I would say just don't give up the, the faith you have in yourself because a lot of people will disappoint you. But when you have faith in yourself, you, who's going to take that away? You know, nobody's going to sit there and be like, oh, you're horrible. And if people can call me a horrible chef or you're an awful cook or whatever. I'm like, well, I know I'm not. So, it's just, <laughs> you know, you, you're not the biggest piece of shit. I mean, maybe you are. I mean, well, I, well, I know I'm not. <laughs> I love it. Sorry. I'm like, yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I would say just just be true to yourself and, and and just stick to what you believe. And and when that when that comes when that comes around and you're and you're trying to get sober, you know, just think about you know what you've lost. I mean, I, I nobody's probably is this obviously nobody's the same as me. But you know, when you're losing things and you're you're doing all this, I mean, it's it's very hard to get out of the the black hole. But there there is hope, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So don't 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 give up your faith and, and believe in yourself, basically pretty generic but you know i'm trying <laughs> no man i mean that's not generic at all that's I, I love that i love that believe in yourself and don't beat yourself up too i mean that's that, that's a key one that i always that, that, that's, that's a huge one and i i, I do I, I do that a lot more than i like to admit but yeah beating yourself up is a is a, is a thing that you know i i do on a regular basis pretty much i mean it's it's, it's hard not to i guess yeah, when I was drinking, I had alcohol and myself would kick my own ass. And now in life and sobriety, you know, life does a pretty good job of kicking my ass. I don't need to be doing it myself. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind to myself. I know, I feel the fire. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, hey, you know what? Man. Today didn't go as planned. Let's take a nap. It's it's not a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, take time uh, out. <laughs> time out. And before we depart, give listeners your own customized, you might be an alcoholic gift line. You might be an alcoholic if you wake up with pee in your pants and you're not sure if it's yours. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, that'll classify. No. Yeah, that works. <laughs> that works. So, Shane, thank you so much for joining us on the Recovery Elevator podcast. I'd love to see you actually in Bozeman, Montana, August 24th for the retreat. That could be a lot of fun, man. Think about that. Oh, that'd be, that'd be awesome, yeah. I, yeah. I would love to go. Um, I'll, I'll email you and get more information about all that, man. That'd be great. Definitely, definitely. Looking forward to it. Meet a lot of these interviewees on in person in, in Bozeman, August twenty fourth should be fun. So thank you so much, Shane. Have a great afternoon. Paul, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Now the best part about Cafe RE are these in person meetups. It's great to put faces to names. And I'd like to thank those who came to the Southern California North Hollywood meetup on January twenty second. We had Brandy, we had Susie, Eduardo, Christy, Julie, we had Pete and Nikki. Now, a couple of these people I'd already met previously, Brandy in the San Francisco meetup last year. Eduardo flew up to the Seattle meetup the previous year. Brandy just got a year of sobriety on December 11th. Great job, Brandy. Great seeing you in person. And I mentioned this to Brandy when I first met her. She'd only been sober for about one to two to maybe three months. And now after a year, the differences are stark. Her confidence level has raised tremendously. Physically, she looks fantastic. And you can tell spiritually and mentally that she's on a whole nother level as well. Congratulations, Brandy. The next day on January 23rd, I want to thank my brave LA for having me as a featured speaker. It was an absolute amazing event. 
My Brave is where people share their own personal stories of dealing with mental illnesses. And I think my talk went pretty well. When I walked off the stage, I had one of those oh shit moments. I was like, oh shit, I forgot my story. Yeah, My Brave, the whole point of it is go out there and tell your story. But I'm out there chatting about facts, chatting about alcohol, jib-jabbing about Montana. Yeah, I included a little bit about my story, but not really. Anyways, it was still a fantastic time. So recovery elevator, we took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this. Thank you.